Welcome to God's Glorious Grace, a podcast from Hope Church Harrogate, where we are asking the question, have we really understood the grace of God? We're taking a deep dive into Ephesians chapter 1, considering a phrase of that chapter in each episode, and asking first what it teaches us about God, and second, how that affects our lives, hopefully with a good dose of warmth and fun along the way. Thanks for joining us. Failure to forgive one another from our hearts leads us into bitterness, leads us into brokenness, into relationship failures that don't have to happen uh, if we learn to forgive. This is bigger, more beautiful than anything, because this is not for an individual. This is for a community. This is for a world. You know, that that this is for a whole new way of being, thinking, doing, interacting. This is about you living free and all of your relationships being free. Welcome to this part two of looking at the phrase of the forgiveness of sins in Ephesians chapter one. Last time out, we looked at what it teaches us about God and how we live as forgiven people. But now we're going to come on to more of the process of forgiving rather than being forgiven. And it's great to be joined once again by both Rachel and Mark. Hi there. And we are going to dive straight into reading the passage, Ephesians chapter one. Once again, Mark, it's your turn. Okay, reading again from uh, the NIV, we're going to start at verse 4 of Ephesians 1. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him... We have redemption through his blood for forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of his grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. Wonderful. And last time out, we spent the first part, as we always do, looking at what this phrase, the forgiveness of sins, teaches us about God. We're going to do slightly different, but still in the same format today. There is something undeniable that Forgiveness of our sins is coupled with, therefore, we forgive. And so this is everywhere in Scripture. Lord's Prayer, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. Freely you've received, now freely give. Whoever has been forgiven much will love much. There's this constant coupling of the two. And so I think it's fair to say that what does this teach us about God? It teaches us that God wants us to be forgiving. Is there any agreement in the room? Yes. yes. I amen. For, I was looking Preach for an amen. It. Hallelujah. Preach. Uh, and so God wants us to be forgiving. And we're going to unpack that through this episode. Rachel, you were before saying you had some outstanding questions. Oh. And you said them to us. And Mark and I both went, those are very good questions. <laughs> and so hey, here's my uh, uh, chairman's hat. Why don't you ask a question to get us going? Sure. I will ask a question to get us going. So there is... There is the sense of we're forgiven, so we forgive, so we can forgive. But in scripture, there's also a really interesting tie between our willingness to forgive and God's willingness to forgive us. And I wanted to explore this and get your wisdom and insight into this. So even in the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, uh, it says, you know, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And then right after, 
Jesus like doubles down on this and says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. And I was like, that seems fairly clear in that, that we've just spent a whole episode talking about God's freely given forgiveness for our sins. And yet when Jesus is talking about the Lord's Prayer, uh, well, when he's talking about saying, this is how you pray, he then hits it again by saying, there is this tie between forgiving others and how God forgives us. And that scares the socks off me sometimes. <laughs> and uh, and I just thought it'd be really interesting to explore because sometimes we can just get into this really nicety nice sense of God forgives us and we can forgive other people and it's really nice. And actually, to me, God's serious about this. He's very serious about us forgiving other people to the extent that he ties it together, not just in this, but in the parable of the unforgiving servant yes. and others. And I just want to talk about God's heart of how we treat others and how we forgive and how it ties in to uh, forgiveness. Go. Wow. It's an absolute fire, that phrase, isn't it? <laughs> Mark, you were flicking through your Bible. Are you you got some wisdom to <laughs> unload on us? I'm, I'm passing the book on I, this one for the I, moment. I was just um, just flipping to the um, that parable of the unmerciful servant. Um, and you get this phrase. He says, in anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. So you're right. There is a seriousness uh, to this. I, I wonder, because the forgiveness of God is freely given, so we come uh, as sinners to repent and turn to Christ that we are forgiven. But clearly what is being pointed to here is that there is a torture that comes to us by not forgiving. And of course, we've talked in the first part of this about the nature of the relationship this brings us into with God our Father. But of course, it's not just Jesus and me. It is Jesus and the community that I live around. And when I mean community, I'm not talking just the church community, but the community of people that we live around. And so to manifest the reality of who God is, well, actually forgiveness should be part of our, our relationship with everybody that we, that we encounter. They should experience the mercy of God in us. Um, and, and, and what is said here actually is there is something very poisonous about holding on to unforgiveness against one another it is like a torture it is like being tortured and being in a prison uh, and it's as bill johnson would say unforgiveness is like um drinking poison hoping the other person will die so i suppose part of the question is is this a conditional grace or an unconditional grace is it unconditional to the sinner coming to be saved the first time and then after becomes conditional or is it not about conditionality at all but actually a way of living because God's heart is for us to live in the joy of relationship and I think as we said last time you know the opposite of forgiveness is judgment and judgment always separates and God hates separation you look at the trinity the perfect relationship father son holy spirit 
what is it? It's they are one. There is a unity. Jesus said that they may be one as we are one. And so unity is, 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 is a wonderful thing, but it's costly. And actually forgiveness is, is, is a door in, into that. So I, I, I can't give you an absolute answer. What I know is in the father's heart that, uh, the failure to forgive one another from our hearts leads us into bitterness, leads us into brokenness, into relationship failures that don't have to happen uh, if we learn to forgive like that. Mm. Yeah, the the answer I want to give, and I, but I'm not sure I can, is is about order, right? So it's not that we need to forgive and then we will be forgiven. I think that, that certainly we can end up in legalism, can't we, if we go down that route? Yes. But you need to get the order the other way around. Because we've been forgiven, we therefore forgive. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really helpful. You've got to make sure you get things the right way around. There's an interesting thing, isn't there, in, in that parable, and it is a parable, yes. important to remember. Yes. You, you, can, you can strain a parable and get stuff out of it that isn't there to be yes. gotten out mm-hmm. of it. But he's a man who's been forgiven an enormous amount of debt yes. now, you know, strangling a man for a few pence. And so is it that actually we can be forgiven a lot, but not then be a conduit of that forgiveness? Uh, I think there's a danger of that. But I also think that our understanding of Christianity and what God has done in our lives means that when we receive that level of forgiveness into our own lives, we aren't the same. Mm. And I think sometimes we think we remain the same and stuff changes around us. But actually, there's a fundamental inside out transformation that goes on as we come to God. So that, you know, the, the Jeremiah and Ezekiel passages about, um, you know, I'm going to put a new heart into them, take out of them a heart of stone, put into them a heart of flesh. I'll put my spirit in them. Um, there's, there's a, I am fundamentally different than what I was and how I might have responded is now changed. And so I think. I think it's a little bit like the fruits of the spirit. If I'm not forgiving people, I've really got to come and ask some important questions of the state of my heart and the state of my thinking and my position with God. Uh, it, it, same way as if I'm you know, not noticing love and joy and peace grow in my life, then I, I've got to go, wow, something's not right here. And I've got to go back and go, I, I need to put myself back in the place I need to be in or repent of stuff I've taken back on. It, when you're not being forgiven, it's a sign of something is wrong and that means you're in danger. I think that's kind of the, the connection I'd be mm. wanting to make. And so it's interesting you've mentioned the fruit of the Spirit. And by nature, fruit takes time to grow. And again, interesting in our conversation with Terry, he talked about how the grace of God uh, again, had to be applied. And he found as he preached it more and more, he himself got a greater revelation but his his observation was that as the grace of God was embraced and, and revelation and understood by the church, the very culture of the church did change. And so forgiveness became an outflow of understanding. And he said, you know, I have received mercy, therefore I give mercy. It, it's, it, it is that conduit thing that actually what has flowed in has transformed me. It's touched more than touched the sides of who I am. It's, mm-hmm. it's utterly transformed my perspective and view so I can be merciful 
to, to you, I can extend that mercy. And I can't remember the actual phrase, but he, he was talking about just, well, we just, we just don't pick those things up because it's of no issue to us anymore. It becomes your style to let people off. It becomes your mm. style to let people off. Now, just want to say, even about God's forgiveness, it's not a sweeping under the carpet because he paid a dreadful price mm. for that forgiveness. And uh, though I think that's a wonderful phrase to stop us being nagging, you know, nagging people, uh, we don't want our forgiveness uh, just to be a simple sweeping under the carpet because yeah. that then builds up a lump that trips up. I think we can forgive someone before God necessarily without confrontation. Sometimes there is a necessity to confront and to go and speak to that person. But but actually it, it does give that grace we are covered. And, and so I, I think the hope thing of uh, of growing in this and as we uh, perhaps listen to these podcasts and we get this enormous sense of hey, what God has done is extraordinary, then we can start to see the revelation of that and go, I can apply this. I can let go because there is a warning. There is a warning. The unforgiveness will destroy you. It will shrivel you up and it will kill your heart. I'm sorry. That is my experience as a church pastor. Most, I would say 90% of the issues when it's uh, to do even with, uh, I won't mention things, to do with things in people's lives, even sickness can come back to sometimes a prayer of utter forgiveness. And I've been in that situation where literally saying, I choose to forgive and and there is a fight to get those words out and then comes the freedom. So I, I, mm. I it requires a really big trust of God, doesn't yeah. it, forgiveness? Yes. Because you're handing something incredibly precious, like your dignity, justice, something you value, over to him. You know, vengeance is my vengeance is mine. It's not mine. I, I don't need to just we're joking for I don't need to justify myself. Yeah. Uh I don't need to justify myself. God justifies me. But equally, I don't need to judge my brother or my sister. I don't need to exercise justice. That's God's to exercise it. And so when I'm choosing to let something go, when I'm choosing to remove the blame from someone for something and see them as separate from that, as we were talking about last time out, I mean, that that's a high price. And it requires me to have a really high trust of God that, God really will handle this or really has handled this. And I think sometimes that's, you were talking, Mark, about it takes time to grow. Mm. Actually, trust takes time to grow. It does. And when it's damaged, it takes time to, you know, regrow. Um, not that God ever damages our trust, but between people. And so as, as our trust grows in God, our ability to forgive and the scale of things we're willing to forgive increases as well as we grow in relationship and trust and, and knowledge of God. Because when you only know God a little bit, to be you know, entrusting him with this enormous thing that you've wrestled with your heart, that would be an enormous sacrifice to make. And sometimes it's more than people are able to do. But as you go through, there is a, a growth in trust that means you can deal with bigger things. So it raises the question, are we sometimes putting people under an un, unfair pressure to forgive too quickly and so they utter words but their heart has not been moved because you're right that the debt is extraordinary that's what jesus struggled with 
in the Garden of Gethsemane. This is the Lord Jesus. He, you know, that was not an act put on yeah. just for some drama. This is an, a reality of a man as God, but man struggling with what the cup he was going to drink, which was our sin, so that we could be forgiven. And uh, again, my experience has been that which we mentioned earlier about um, you say to your kids, forgive him, go on, forgive him, forgive him now. And we dust it off. We, we communicate yeah. something that is actually quite unhelpful because actually we, we need to look at the debt that I am now owed by this person. And, and forgiveness is the releasing of that debt. You're saying, you owe me nothing. Yes. You owe me nothing. And, and of course, we give that to Father God. And that's the trust bit. And, and so actually considering, consider. And Jesus was considering what was before him. So almost his last breath is, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. It didn't come, I believe, in a, in a second of inspiration. That came as he had walked through yeah. those last few days and, and the weight, he considered the weight of what he was taking on. And, and I feel that that is really important, Adam. So, so it, we, we can rush people to forgiveness yeah. and that's not helpful to them. They need to experience, no, I am let, letting this go. And, and, and give it there's a difference between words and action you yes. can say you're sorry and not be sorry yes and you can mm. claim you've forgiven someone and not have forgiven them no. mm. um, absolutely yeah. Yeah. I think it's such a gift of God's forgiveness and I think it's just one of the beautiful things of the depth of God's mind and heart that he didn't just say oh I'll sweep away their sins like that that's the limit of my forgiveness is that he's like no this is bigger and more beautiful than anything because this is not for an individual this is for a community this is for a world yes. you know that that this is for a whole new way of being thinking doing interacting this is about you living free and all of your relationships being free and it's so much bigger than that and so for me it's it's not like an obligation he's forgiven me and now i need to forgive other people or oops i really want to be forgiven so i probably should do this thing <laughs> you know it isn't a manipulation it isn't a no. quid pro quo it is a it is a beautiful part of the transformation that forgiveness brings in me and in our relationships and in our community and all of us are not yet finished we're not no. we're not the image of jesus yet and so we are all all on a phase of growing and we're all not finished yet. And so it's the, it's the bumping up against each other of learning how to walk and live in forgiveness together. That is the beauty of the journey as a community. Yes. Yes. So, um, Adam just talked about vengeance uh, and, and just, I mentioned about not sweeping it under the carpet just to say into this, of course, uh, forgiveness, um, in terms of then my response to the person, uh, what does that look like? So um, if it, it can be that trust to that person, then it's going to take some time to be restored. There is a fruit of repentance. You can't uh, elicit from someone repentance. That's their response to your 
forgiveness. I mean, they might have repented before you got there. Mm-hmm. You know, God's, it's not, there's, we, we don't shuffle the pack. It's, it's, it's fine. There, there is a, no order to it. But, but my forgiveness is given not on the basis that you are now going to repent mm-hmm. because that might not happen. So forgiveness can feel like a lonely, a lonely place. But having given forgiveness, it doesn't mean then I invest all my trust back. That that takes time, and of course it opens the door quite necessarily in some places for then um, a person to be prosecuted by the authorities when these things come to light. So so people say, well, that's very unchristian. No, that's that's very very right for the protection of society, that I can be utterly free in my forgiveness. In fact, it's a great place to be because there's no angle, no bitterness, no no twist in there. I don't want the knife stuck in. But actually, no, this now needs to come to the authorities' uh, position. And that's that's a very, uh, seems like, well, that's unchristian. But no, it's very Christian to have that reality. Uh, it, It causes actually at uh, that person to face the weight of what they have done so as long as i am free i i remember watching a um a, a conversation that this lady from america had had uh, she had been raped her i think her boyfriend had been shot at the time it was a dreadful thing she was left for dead but survived and over time they put the case together and i think it was a number of years six seven years and she said, my hope had been the day the conviction was sound and, uh, and this person was found guilty. And she said, I felt no joy and realised I had to forgive him. And it led her to Christ and, uh, and that. And, 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 she, she, wow. she, and, and it was interesting that, that you put it that way round. So even getting human justice did not bring the freedom that she, it was actually forgiveness that brought her freedom. And so I, this is really, yeah. this is important. There are various moving parts, aren't there? My forgiveness doesn't mean you've changed. No. Um, yes. And justice doesn't mean that anything has happened for me. No. There, there, there are multiple things going on that need to happen yes. when there's these elements of yes. breakdown. I think we've covered a vast amount of uh, area in terms of God wants us to be forgiving. We're going to have some halftime oranges and we're going to come back And we're going to talk about some practical things we can do to help us towards forgiveness in our life. Okay, so it's halftime oranges. We're at the end of January now and uh, we're all a month in, aren't we? Let me just ask you, what has been your most spectacular failure at a New Year's resolution? And what has been your greatest success? Wow. I don't go in for lots of news resolutions. I tell you what, this is this is um, not proud to admit this. Um, my, well, one year uh, I made the news resolution that I both wanted to do a hundred press ups at once. Which, if you know me and know my body shape, is hilarious. Um, and I also wanted to fast the first day of every month. And uh, I didn't even do the first of January. I just completely forgot about it, and I only got to about I think. I was doing it with some housemates at the time before I got married. I think we got to about 50, 60 press-ups at a time, which was pretty impressive. Pretty good. But, yeah, I don't think I've ever been successful at a New Year's resolution properly. Very good. <laughs> Mine's not funny. I feel bad. Um, okay, so this 
is um, mine. Well, let me turn it down myself. <laughs> uh, so mine was uh, I had uh, been uh, talking to my friends who had kids, and my friend's kids said, um, uh, "I've he's the kid is three, and the kid." got a word. They were praying for me for some reason at bedtime. And the kid got a picture of me looking in a mirror and something scary being behind the mirror. And then I had to take out the thing from behind the mirror. Uh, and when I took it out, it wouldn't be as scary and it would actually bring me lots of happiness. And so, uh, as soon as she said that, I instantly knew what that was because, uh, in my whole life, I would say there's a little thread of depression that I refuse to absolutely name. And, uh, so as soon as she said it, I was like, I know what that is. That's depression. I actually have to say the word and talk about it with my family. And, and she was like, Whoa, that was big. I'm like, thank your three-year-old for me. <laughs> Tell her it's <laughs> depression. Uh, and so then I, I made a New Year's resolution to talk to Mark and be like, I think this actually exists somewhere in my brain and I need to actually proactively like, work and like figure out what helps me manage my mental health and stuff like that and i had a really good conversation and life has been totally different since then fantastic wow so that well was I mean, not funny at all but no. totally big and, and i didn't i didn't make any promises yeah. to myself besides i'm just going to talk about it so I'm, I'm learning that any new Wonderful. year's resolution i will fail at yeah. Wonderful. that's much better than funny <laughs> thanks thanks <laughs> excellent mark right. have, you, have you got any to contribute yeah, I'm just not very good at it. That's yeah. what I've decided. Um, so uh, as I am a journaler, uh, I would often write in the beginning of the year a list of things. And, uh, you know, come come March, it would all be undone by then. Uh, and so now I journal different on the end of the year and uh, actually uh, look back then and find actually God has come and we've journeyed together through a whole load of stuff. So for me, it's non-New Year's resolutions are much better than actually setting resolutions. <laughs> you set them with hindsight. What have I done this year? Oh, look, I did it. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Absolutely. You Absolutely. know, with, with journaling, I used to, when I was dating people, I was like, I always want a journal that is like, I met a guy today. And so every time I met someone that I thought I would potentially end up marrying, I'd start a new journal. That <laughs> 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 consists of three pages that no one had. <laughs> I had like 10 of them at some point. But I'll tell you, I do have the journal that starts with my husband. So but super embarrassing when he found them. And I was like, oh yeah, this is when I thought I'd marry Josh. Like all of the other men. <laughs> but look, there's none after you. <laughs> Great. Okay. Oh, End of halftime oranges. <laughs> See? Hilarity and profoundity at the same time. Wow. Yeah. Good we job, are capable team. of many things by the grace of God in this podcast. <laughs> so I want to take us into the second half where we talk about how we can bring forgiveness to bear in our everyday lives, how we can exercise it in, in our spheres of influence. I mean, we talked a lot about the, the need and the positive thing about being those who forgive because God forgives us, therefore we forgive others. Uh, I want to try and get as practical as we can because I think we can leave it up there in theory, right? And, and, you know, oh, we should forgive. That doesn't actually help anyone. The danger is we could just lump condemnation onto people, right? You've got to do something, and I don't know how. Uh, and so if someone was to come to you and to say, you know, I, I think I need to forgive someone, what would be the things that you would point them to in terms of here's a helpful way of approaching forgiveness in your life? So I would just back up just a little bit before we got to answering that. Because it's interesting for me that um, forgiveness uh, should be a, a way of life. Uh, and, of course, 
in the course of our life, in relationships, we bump up against one another. And, and so it's like there's flecks of stuff, dust settles on us. Um, and sometimes when we talk about forgiveness, we talk about the horror of the, the, the big story. But of course, life isn't, isn't like that. And, and my experience, uh, I'm not uh, a raging bull when I get angry. I'm more of the resentful inward person. Um, and so people think I do brilliantly, but there can be a boiling pot going on inside. And of course, for a resentful person, it is the drip, drip, drip of something that, that builds up, which is why suddenly, you know, they, this little, oh, this little woman kills this big husband and everyone goes, well, she was such a quiet mouse. Well, it's, <laughs> wow, it's, it's sorry. The, it's We've the, gone big. It's the force of her yes. resentment that has suddenly built up and yes. bang. And I know that. I know in, in, in my history, if Mark blew, he blew. Uh, and so, so I, I think we're dealing with sort of some different types of forgiveness, but are equally important. So for me, uh, it's more keeping that sh- that dealt with before father on a daily basis. That means I'm not talking to anybody else. I just know that that comment hurt. Oh, that that action was a bit disrespectful. And, and being able to go, Holy Spirit, bring these things to mind. And then just saying, yeah, when Shami said that, that, that Father, I, I felt that hurt. And, 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 you know, when Adam ignored me the other day, that, I don't know why he did that. What was that about? You know, and just going through uh, that process for a, a person who could get resentful is really, really important to keep that level of, of short accounts yeah. without actually uh, making making a big thing of that. It's just I come to God daily and say, yeah, I remember that. Lord, that hurt. Thank you, Father. Just I just forgive them. And I have a little prayer that I pray, which we might go through later, but I have a prayer that I will pray uh, and uh, express how it made me feel and then release blessing o- over the person. So I think that that is one type of forgiveness that is really important to go through yeah, um, in terms of the, just the, the normality of, of, of walking in, in relationship together and clearing the, the banks. And, and I've been surprised many, many times when I have done that privately, no one but Father knows that in the next meeting, something with that person comes up and they say, John, I'm really sorry. I, I just was so full of myself that day. I ignored you and I'm really sorry. And go, oh, that's interesting. And there's been no human conversation yeah. uh, with that. It's mm. helpful. Mm. I think for me, some of it was um, having a conversation about what forgiveness looks like because I think sometimes we focus on the process and not yes. the fruit. And so we don't really know what it's supposed to look like at the end of it. So is it, is it just a, a process of going, I think I need to forgive someone, I forgive them. And then you don't really know what that is. And so it becomes a ritual rather than an experience or rather than a, a spiritual process. And so for me, some of the conversation is, is what it looks like on the other end. You know, the ability to, to genuinely pray for the blessings of God upon that person. Uh, can I get to a place where I where I say, Father, forgive them, so they probably didn't know what they were doing. And that sense of, can I get to the point where I'm interceding before God for that person? How can I, what needs to go on in my heart? 
Um, what do I need to tell God? What do I need to tell somebody else? You know, what sometimes it is reporting things to the police. Sometimes it is just saying out loud and feeling like I can stand up to this person and say, this really hurt me. Sometimes it's, it's saying before God, you know, this is, this is where it is. And I want to hurt this person so bad. And God, please transform my heart that I do not, that you take out this violence out of my heart, this need to see pain in someone else. And, and so I think it's different for every person, but I think I tend to explain this is a, this is a process of like clearing out your garage. This isn't just a, a one-off, I forgive the moment, because this is about saying, what am I feeling? Why am I feeling it? What are the first steps in this so that I can get to the point where if they come to Christ and I see them in heaven, it will be nothing but rejoicing to um, to see the transformation that God has caused in somebody else's life. And so for me, it's it's about the process and knowing what it what it could look like at the end, not just that I'm feeling stopped up, but there is a beautiful going forward of freedom for me and that person. Yeah, that's helpful. Yeah, yeah, great answers. I think one of the things I'd throw into the mix. I've been thinking about this for a few weeks since you said it, Rachel was you operate under the assumption that if you've not seen someone for three years, then they're a different person because God's been working their life. Mm. And I think I just, I'd never thought of that before. And I, you know, I claim that for myself. Yeah. I'm a different person now, yeah. but I, I'd never been generous in offering that to others. And I think, I think that's so helpful in that we recognize that just as God is at working as he's at working other people, mm. sometimes other people who don't realize it. Mm. And that enables us to, to believe for better than we might have been able to because God's in the mix. And if God's in the mix, then anything's possible. And so I think that uh, sometimes you can just come up and it's like uh, opposing walls, isn't it? And you're like, it's immovable and something's got to shift. But actually you've got a God that's capable of doing anything. And I think that that has fed into a number of situations for me. I'm like, oh yeah, although this has been bubbling away, God is in it. And he's doing stuff, and that enables me to um, let go of things and to, to move through things and, you know, get over things. I think that that's been a really helpful component for me in these last few weeks. And so, again, there is a sort of a sense of what has been done. So if someone's lied to you, they've lied to you. If someone's taken your purse, they've taken your purse. That's They are realities. But a lot of this is, is I've got hurt, I, I, yes. I think. And so part of what you've mentioned there, Rachel, in terms of the process, um, that sometimes I forget, but I do remember regularly is, so Father, why did that hurt me? Mm. Because sometimes that person has actually not done anything wrong, but it's played to something that's not healed in, in me yet. Mm. And so actually part of the process of forgiveness, which is so helpful, is standing before God. Father, what did I contribute to that? Did I contribute to that? Mm. Again, you have to be careful because people that have been abused in whatever form find themselves not just as victims, but feeling that they are the reason for that. Mm. I'm not talking about that. I want to be clear. But I am talking about those little flicks, those little knocks that happen in relationship, sometimes we have to go, so why? Why did I react? Why did that offend me? Why, why was I offended by that? Mm. And, and I know that sounds small, but I'm really sorry to say that I have experienced family relationships where brothers and sisters haven't met each other for 30, 40 years, 
because someone took offence. Taking offence is a massive issue. Mm. And it, it is one of those things that we need to challenge our own hearts over as well as offering forgiveness. So I know there's times when I've forgiven people for those little flicks and dicks and things. But actually, uh, though I think God said, that's lovely, well done. <laughs> uh, but actually what we need to do is look into your heart. So there is a, a precursor sometimes is what am I looking into in, in my heart? I think, I think that's, that's, that's important. And the other thing I just throw in on forgiveness, praying for, to forgive someone, Father, I'm choosing to forgive them. Actually, I, my experience is it has to be done verbally out loud. I don't know why that is. But it's like a declaration. I, and I know God hears the quiet cries of our hearts, but my experience in counselling people and trying to help people through, it is the verbalisation, not just the thinking of it, that is where people, people, people seem to trip up, but also where their point of freedom comes. So when you know, I say I, I, I go through and think, oh, what was that about, Lord? I, I, I actually will speak that out mm. loud, Lord Jesus, I choose to forgive whoever, mm. and, and, that, and that will be verbal. It's helpful. I think there's something community-wise that's important to, to take responsibility for too, and that I have a responsibility to facilitate that when I know I've offended somebody else. Yes. You know, sometimes there's there's a sense of I've tried to really um, get into my life that I don't wait for someone to confront me before I apologize, that I review my day in my head and think, oh, I think I may have accidentally done that. And the next day I go, I just, I feel like, you may not have noticed it, but I feel like I said something that shut you down or made you feel that. And I just wanted to, to apologize and ask you to forgive me. And I think often that community sense of facilitating people walking in forgiveness. I have a responsibility to do that, to come and ask for forgiveness, to come and open up those conversations, to say, you know, I feel like something big happened and I was a part of that. And I want, you know, I would really want to say, and you don't have to forgive me in this moment. And, you know, I'm not requiring of you, but I just want to say, I feel like I wronged you and I apologize. And I just put myself there and I think there's a, a strength in this community to do that it's not just the burden on us to forgive but it's a burden on us to ask for forgiveness as well so that's like a daily examine mm. so you would say Holy Spirit show me if there's anything in me that uh, occurred in the day that I am responsible for mm. and need to fix is mm. that how that sort of works right yeah there? or often it's just I've always I always try to just stay sensitive to the spirit always yeah, and, and just to good. be I'll get in the car and get convicted of something or the yeah. Holy Spirit will you know sense me or or a moment and it's just that staying really aware of the daily yeah. prodding of God but it's usually when I lay down at night and just sort of talk about my day and just sort of chat to God about it. I'll chat. And then there'll just be this moment, this pop in my head of a memory or a thing I said that just doesn't feel right within me. And that makes me think, oh, no. So sometimes people will get texts at 11 o'clock and I'm so sorry. (laughs) Or sometimes I'll, you know, do it the next day. But I think there's just a rigor for me of always creating an opportunity for people to walk free from the bitterness and the offense that can build up within them. Uh, Because I I can do the the 95% rather than making them walk the 100 to work themselves up to a point where they have to confront me. I feel awful. If you've gotten to the point where you have to confront me, then I have been so unaware of my sin and so unaware of how I've been bumping up against you that that is a huge fault on my part. So for me, there's something in that. So I think we've covered a lot of ground, some really helpful practical steps. We've 
we've talked about the the need to to keep short accounts, the the daily process of brushing things off. We've talked about needing to have a picture of what forgiveness actually looks like, like where we're shooting for, uh, what we're trying to do. We're talking about trying to keep perspective that God is in the mix, uh, the importance of speaking things out loud, the, the value of community and playing our part in helping other people come to that point of forgiveness and, and owning the fact that often there's something in us that is, um, that has taken offense or that there's a problem with and allowing God to speak into that place is the most important thing, far more important than going to the other person and saying, you did this. It's actually there's something in me. I think that is some super helpful practical steps towards forgiveness in our lives because the dream is that we would be a community where not just have we received forgiveness from God, but that when people come in, there is a supernatural level of grace and forgiveness operating between the people of God. And far too often, there's far too many stories, I guess I should say, of churches and community, Christian communities where that isn't the case. And there's all sorts of political spirits and relationship breakdown bubbling up all over the place. But the God's dream and God's passion for his church mm-hmm. is that we would be a place full of grace, grace with one another, able to forgive, able to ask for forgiveness, quick to repent, keeping short accounts. Uh, and that would be an incredible light to the world uh, where people, because it allows people to be comfortable. Um, with one another and with God. Back to what we were talking about in the first of these two sessions. Mark, Rachel, thank you so much for treading that road. And I know both of you have been pulling on your own experiences in this as well. And so thankful for you going to that place and, and sharing in that way. Thank you. Mark, would you pray for us in this light of forgiveness to close this session out? So I think uh, just to close this session out, what I want to do is just articulate a prayer that uh, could be helpful uh, in working through uh, matters of forgiveness. And uh, I've borrowed this from the Freedom in Christ uh, material, um, but I've found it just very helpful for people um, in this matter. So what I would suggest is that um, you always ask for the Holy Spirit because it's the Holy Spirit that leads us into truth and that uh, you just take a moment with a piece of paper um, and just perhaps write down uh, how uh, that particular situation or that which was done to you made you feel. And then you can start by saying, Father God, I choose to forgive and name the person for what they have done to me for it made me feel, and you can express then your, your, your feeling. But now, Father, I want to pray for them, that you would bless them, that they would know your favour and know your kindness and your love in extraordinary measure. Thank you, Father. And then leave that. With, with Father God, take your piece of paper, tear it up or burn it as a sign that you have handed over to God all the things that you were feeling and what was uh, done to you. So Holy Spirit, we thank you for this opportunity to talk about this wonderful f- forgiveness that we've received, that we get the joy of extending to one another and also for asking from one another. And as we close this out, Holy Spirit, we just pray that if there is anybody listening to this who um, is harboring unforgiveness in their hearts, 
in your wonderful love, in your wonderful grace, would you visit them and bring them the joy of, of releasing their unforgiveness to you. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the mercy that we have received. And we pray that we would become this merciful community, this merciful people that extend grace, forgiveness and mercy to each other. Amen. Amen. It's important to say at the end of two sessions like this, that if you're aware that this is stirring all sorts of stuff in your heart, it's another path you've got to walk alone. It's part of the beauty of church and the beauty of being placed into community. And so we would strongly encourage you to find a trusted person, might be a leader or a designated person in your church, might be a close friend, might be a spouse, and open it up, say, I need help in this as you walk through. Next week, we get to verse 8 of Ephesians chapter 1. Come on, momentous. Every time we shift a verse, it's a momentous moment. And we're going to be moving on to look at the word lavished. So we've done some meaty weeks and we're about to hit uh, uh, one of those gushing weeks, I think, where we get to revel in uh, the extravagance of God's grace for us. So do join us next time out as we look at that word lavished and its significance in this passage. Uh, as always, please do hit subscribe. Please do send this on to a friend you think might benefit or would enjoy listening in. If you want to leave us a review, that would be great. We'd like five stars, but we will forgive you if it's not. And uh, we look forward to you joining us next time out. Bye now. Bye. Bye.